Hello and welcome to episode 51 of the Talk Witchcraft podcast. In this episode, Eric and I will be talking about how to make the most of Capricorn season. You're listening to Talk Witchcraft. On this podcast, we talk about witchcraft as a lifestyle and discover how to merge magic into your daily life. Every week, we'll demystify witchy topics like tarot, astrology, crystals, herbs, and more as you develop your personal brand of magic and create the life of your dreams. We're We're your hosts, hosts, the Mystic Mystic Sisters, Sisters, Erica and Maggie. In this segment of the show, we choose a tarot card for the week and we look for moments that relate to this card in our daily lives. For this episode, we chose the Queen of Pentacles. The theme of this card is nurturing and care. Looking at the Queen of Pentacles, her posture and position, it seems like she's moving to stand up, but instead of taking action, I feel like she wants to crawl around on the ground and play with the rabbits at her feet. I see her as somebody who's an advice giver. The way she gives advice is very with care and love, like she's going to cuddle you and make you tea. And the fact that she's so close to this skittish creature like a rabbit is a clue to her overall nature because this queen is very gentle, nurturing, and careful. The rabbit, as well as the lushness of her environment, indicate fertility and creativity. Her green veil is attached to her crown, and it flows all the way down and touches the ground. The material of her cloth looks sort of stiff and rough. It is plain and shapeless. She is blending in with the beautiful, lush surroundings like she is part of the ecosystem, really connected to the earth and grounded. And then we can also look at her throne as well and see that it is ornately carved. There is wood, so it's a bit more humble than the other thrones that are made of stone. And that's part of the Queen of Pentacles' generosity. She's an accomplished person who isn't braggadocious about it. So do you have a story of relating to the Queen of Pentacles or someone else in your life who you feel like is this person? I think that there's a lot of people in my life that I have that represent the queen. I think our mom is very much this queen. She's the first person that both of us call when we need help. I think you are the queen because after I call mom, I call you. And then I think I have this queen represented in different areas. Like I have a friend who is my work queen of pentacles and I ask her for advice about work and I have a queen who's nope I didn't have another one that was it I have I have mom and you and my friend and I think I am too part of this group of queens of pentacles I think that people come to me for advice and I'm pretty gentle and nurturing I see the way that she's dressed and the colors that she's wearing it's a very Capricorn card with the greens and the browns and being rooted to the earth so I think that my Capricorn nature comes out in her I agree with all of that I mean we know a lot of the same people and just like you said who we call for advice is who this card brings up I always think of like Molly Weasley as the queen of pentacles and she's not like a person I know in real life but she's a very she's obviously like a very caring and loving mother to the Weasleys and she takes in Harry and Hermione but she's also like really powerful. And so I feel like that's like a perfect representation. So thinking of people who remind me of Molly Weasley, like you said, mom, I think of you. I personally don't know that I feel like I relate to this queen very well. I feel like I'm like a problem solver and I'm not very good about like 
listening without trying to solve the problem. So I'm working on trying to ask the other person, what do you need from me in this situation? Do you need advice or do you want somebody to fix this or like go out and fight for you? So yeah, even though like you said, you call me for support and advice, I think it's like after talking to mom who gives you like the good cuddles and the teas. (laughs) 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 Like, I think we all have all of the different, I say this a lot, but all of the different court cards in our personality to varying degrees. The pentacles, maybe it's because I'm an air sign. I don't feel like I relate to them very much most of the time. More, I feel like I relate to the swords, the wands, cups, sort of. I definitely feel like I'm more of like the active energy than this like passive energy of the pentacles and the cups so that's not really that's kind of a discussion of the the opposite or like the contrast (laughs) right (laughs) which I think is still helpful for learning about the tarot (laughs) as we mentioned at the beginning today we are going to share with you five ways to make the most of Capricorn season so Capricorn season begins sometime around Yule, or it, it is on Yule, it begins at Yule. The date is not always set on the exact same date each year because Yule is dependent, or the winter solstice, as we talked about in the previous episode, is based on the position of the sun in relation to the earth. So this is using the tropical astrology system where the zodiac seasons are determined by the solstices and the equinoxes. And so Aries is the first sign of the zodiac series, the wheel of the zodiac. And that is always on Ostara, the spring equinox. And then Cancer always begins at the summer solstice. Libra always begins at the fall equinox. And Capricorn, like we're talking about today, begins at the winter solstice or Yule. And so that creates these four quadrants in the sky surrounding the earth. And then those quadrants are divided into three 30 degree sections. And that makes 12 which is the 12 zodiac seasons. Yay, math. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you've listened to this epi- these episodes before, then you've probably heard this spiel a thousand times. But if in case this is your first episode, wanted to be clear on where this comes from. So tell us about Capricorn energy specifically. Overall, Capricorn energy is ambitious with aspirations to reach the very, very tippy toppy, tippy top apex of greatness. The energy is characterized by careful plans and tireless effort. Capricorn proceeds at a regular pace with determination and tenacity. Once a goal is achieved, Capricorn looks for the next mountaintop to climb. First, we climb a little hill, and then we climb the next bigger hill, and then suddenly we're on the top of Mount Everest, and we're like, what are we doing here? This sign is serious and disciplined. Capricorn organizes and plans by setting long-term objectives and well-defined goals before making a move. Patient, cautious, and straightforward, Capricorn only worries about practical and tangible things. And I think something really interesting about Capricorn too is like this this discussion of it being very goal-oriented is that goat half of the Capricorn signs. Mm -hmm. But sometimes Capricorn is represented as the goat fish. And that fish side is often forgotten because like you said, Capricorn is so is usually thought of as this very serious and disciplined and, you know, no fun sign and no room for whimsy or anything like that. 
But the fish tail of the Capricorn sign, I think is important because that's what connects it to like the watery intuition. Being a Capricorn myself, I get irrationally irritated when it's not represented as the goat fish. That fish tail is very important to me. (laughs) Yeah, well, because that intuition is what helps the goat climb further. Being able to like trust the intuitive nudges of like, this is the right mountain to climb. This is not the right mountain to climb, you know? And I feel like when you take away Capricorn's tail, the fish tail, it makes it too much like Aries. And there is a difference to give Capricorn that slight little difference. It's don't forget the tail. Right. Well, and if you think (laughs) about the progression, like I said before, Aries is the first sign of the Zodiac. And And as you go through each of these four quadrants, there's more depth. Not to say that Aries and Taurus and Gemini aren't deep signs. Everybody has certain depths. But when you think about the energy of those signs, the first quadrant, Aries, Taurus, and Gemini, those are very like normal things. And then it gets a little bit more abstract and a little bit more abstract. And then, you know, with like Sagittarius has the centaur. And then there's like this goatfish thing and the water bear and the fish. Like it's getting more and more woo-woo. Dreamy. Dreamy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Moving from the individual to like the close people in your life to the greater human population to like the trajectory of humanity (laughs) is what like Capricorn, Aquarius and Pisces are about. So the fish tail is important and Apple should create a a better Capricorn representation emoji. Yes. (laughs) This is the hill I'm going to die mad about. (laughs) Just like... Don't forget my fish tail. In fact, I won't I won't buy something if it doesn't have a fish tail. Wow. And I will specifically seek out the things that do have the fish tail. Very important. It's very yes. important. Anyway, I digress. And now that you know more of what to expect from the energy of Capricorn season, here are five things you can do do to make the most of this energy. The first thing to do in Capricorn season is to make plans for the future. So if we think about when this season is occurring, whether you follow like the Gregorian calendar that most people follow, Capricorn season occurs with the new year right in the middle of it. But also if you think about what we've been talking about with Samhain coming towards the end of the year, Yule being in a lot of different cultures uh, in ancient times, um, being like a transition point between the sun declining and then the sun gaining strength again. Some people represent Yule as the beginning of the next year. And that marks Capricorn's beginning of the season. So if you think about the time of year that this is happening, this is a good time to make those plans for the year. What do you want to accomplish in the year that's coming ahead? You want to think about what you want to achieve in the new year. And the main (laughs) secret to becoming a successful manifester of your life is planning and writing those plans down. The energy of Capricorn is slow and steady movement toward your dreams. And the beginning is to make plans and record them for reference and accountability. This is when those one year, three year, five year lifetime goals are helpful because it makes you really sit down and think about, okay, what do I want from my life? Whenever I do these kinds of things, I always start with the lifetime one because that one's going to give me like the big overarching picture. And then I can be like, okay, in my lifetime, I want to travel to Italy. Okay. Well, in five years, like, is that a five-year goal 
or is that a three-year goal or is that a one-year goal and how what are the steps to getting to traveling to Italy yeah so it's kind of like the lifetime goal is that biggest mountain Mount Everest but in order to get to Mount Everest you have to have done a lot of training in other smaller mountains and hiking and climbing in other settings that are like simpler so it's like setting that ultimate goal and then breaking that ultimate goal down into smaller like stepping stones of how you're going to get there. We're going to talk a lot more about that in the episode next week. Stay tuned. (laughs) Before we share the other four ways to make the most of Capricorn season, let's have a word from our sponsor. Want to please a witch with the perfect gift? There's no gift more welcome than a cauldron, and no cauldron is more welcome than happy bruise cauldrons. At Happy Brews, we pride ourselves on creating a cauldron that can help you practice witchcraft in plain sight. The kitchen witch in your life will love using our cauldron for stirring up some magic. Use our mini cauldron for burning herbs on the altar and holding candles. When it comes to cauldrons, only the best will do. Don't be duped by cheap knockoffs that are not suitable for flames. Listen to this happy customer. It was love at first sight. These cauldrons are so distinctive with elegant lines and gleaming surfaces that are so easy to clean. My last cauldron was made of plastic and I about burned my house down. Never again with happy brews. Let's return to our five ways to make the most of Capricorn season by talking about being ambitious and strategic with your dreams. So ambition means different things to different people. Here, it means defining your goals specifically and letting nothing, not even yourself, limit you in achieving them. Capricorn energy reminds us that hard work is required when it comes to achievements, but don't let yourself become rigid or unwavering. Fluidity and adaptability is important too. And that's kind of like the fishtail that we were talking about. The fluidity and adaptability is part of the success of reaching the goals. Yeah, you have to be able to change direction quickly and swim upstream and do things that you might not have thought that you needed to do when you were making your initial plan. Gotta be able to change with the times. And like I said, we'll be talking about this in next week's episode and comparing like how solar energy can help with setting goals and also the importance of working with the moon as well because those are kind of the balances of like external and internal planning and structures. So the next way to make the most of Capricorn season is to allow yourself to be warm and show kindness. Capricorn is ruled by Saturn and this is often considered to be a cold and serious planet. We talked about Capricorn also being seen as that cold and serious sign. So Allow the holiday cheer, you know, there's all of these amazing winter holidays that we see across time and space that are focused on holiday cheer and allow that to continue into the beginning of the next year so that you can spread that joy and goodwill to all the people around you. You know, don't let the holiday cheer end when the holiday ends. Keep that going as long as you can continue to be that sunshine in this time where the sun is still not as strong as it could be and is gaining strength. As a Capricorn, I, how many times do I have to say that I'm a Capricorn? <laughs> when, when will you know that someone's a Capricorn? Well, she'll tell you about a hundred times. 
it, it is hard to be seen as general as this cold, unfeeling, rigid sign. There's a there's a joke among us Capricorns that we always get left out of the zodiac party. If if somebody's going to forget to do a sign, it's going to be Capricorn. And it's so it's just kind of like this. We're really nice people. And we do have this like warmth and kindness that I think we we pull from that grounding that we have and that connection with the earth that once you get past our cold exterior, there's really some loveliness inside of us. So let let that warmth and joy and and all of the kindness spread to all of your friends. Let the people see that you are wanting to be connected with them, you know, be be open, you know, don't let the coldness of the season, the winter bring you down and hermit you up like let's let's make some human connections yeah and uh, again all of this applies to everyone regardless of if you are a Capricorn (laughs) the energy we've said this before but the energy here is like amplifies in Capricorn so that all of this stuff is like very strong and coming out during Capricorn season for Capricorns but everybody can access this energy and kind of use it to help with whatever you're trying to do in your life. The next way is to let go of control and perfectionism. There is a difference between committing to something and controlling something. The need to control situation stems from perfectionism. And we've talked about perfectionism before in other episodes. It gives us a false sense that we have control, but there really are very few things that you do control. You can control what you think, what you say, and what you do, and you can control how you react to other people in situations. You can guide your emotions and your energy, but when you try to control your reality beyond those things, you start putting up a divide between yourself and the divine. So magic is all about going with the flow, and going with the flow is the opposite of perfectionism. Perfectionism is swimming upstream or it's a boulder that blocks the flow of water. Yeah, so we have all of these plans set in place because of Capricorn's invitation to help us do those things. But it's like we talked about with that one as well, that you have to be fluid and adaptable, that the the plan that you have is not going to stay the same because everything is dynamic and changing around us. So you might set your plans based on that, but you don't have control over when that changes, you only have control over your ability to go with the flow and change direction when needed. Yeah. And so like, if we go back to my example of if your lifetime goal is to go to Italy and you've made a plan, you said in three years, I'm going to Italy, I'm going to start saving money. But then your family comes in and says, Hey, we got this really cool opportunity to go to Cancun. And you're like, well, dang, I want to go to Cancun too. Then you might have to move your Italy goal of three years to maybe four years or five years. You're still within the lifetime goal of I want to go to Italy, but just not exactly when you would set that plan to do that. Yeah, there's the motto in our family that the plan is the plan until it's no longer the plan. Exactly. And the final way to make the most of Capricorn season is to establish new traditions and rituals. So Capricorn is very focused on traditions and ceremonies and the importance of doing things in 
in the proper way. And so this time of year is also really filled with traditional ceremonies and activities that most people will participate year in year after year. I remember when I was a kid, I got very upset because <laughs> I think it was the Christmas tree. I can't remember. Was I mad that we weren't going to read the books about the Christmas with the Christmas tree? Yeah, I think so. Because when we were kids, we would, after decorating the Christmas tree on whatever day that was, we would usually you know, right after Thanksgiving, like yeah. the weekend after Thanksgiving. And we would always like have the Christmas lights turn on and we'd like have a big ceremony around it. Like, oh, this is how beautiful it looks at night. And we would read some Christmas story, Polar Express or the Christmas star or any of those. Is that what it's called? Christmas pageant? Pageant Christmas? What's that book called? <laughs> the the best Christmas pageant ever or something. I don't yeah, know. That yeah. One. Well, whatever. <laughs> whatever book it was, we always had certain, there were certain ones that we would go to and we'd pick um, from and we would read, mom would read that to us. And one year, I can't, I don't remember exactly the circumstances of it, but it was like, we weren't going to do that, or we weren't going to have hot chocolate, or we weren't going to read the book, or someone had decorated the tree without me or some, I can't remember the exact circumstances. What I do remember is that I was very upset that it was different from what we had done in previous years. <laughs> and yes. so that's a long way of saying that this, this season is very, you know, established in these traditional activities. And in that grain, we can use that to establish new traditions and being open to new rituals for life as we come into this new year, um, something that you can establish as a new tradition to pass on to your loved ones in the future as well. People keep asking me, because I, I have a new group of coworkers for this Christmas. And so everybody's been asking kind of like, well, what are your holiday traditions? And honestly, we don't have, like, we have our traditions. We have the things that we have done every single year since we were little kids. But those are done because the tradition was to go to our grandparents' house and we don't have that anymore. And so it's like, well, this is what we used to do. And now we're kind of making it up again. I've offered to host Christmas brunch this year, and that may or may not end up being what we do every year, but I'm happy to take on that new tradition and ritual. It just kind of depends on what we do next year. And last year was our first year without our grandparents. Like this is literally the first year that we have the opportunity to do a new tradition because last year was the height of COVID and we couldn't see anybody. It's all brand new. Again, that was a long way of saying <laughs> create new traditions and rituals and be okay with things that change and letting go of what no longer is and what can't be. Yeah, because, you know, tra traditions and rituals are that way because we pass them on, but that doesn't mean that that's the way that they have to be. That just means that that's something that has been special, but as things change, new traditions mm -hmm. emerge, uh, you know, families change, new people marry into families, people pass away, babies are born, and people move around as well. So there's been a lot of Christmases since I've moved away. Well, not a lot. I think maybe two or three Christmases that I wasn't able to come home for Christmas. And then, you know, tra trading off going to a spouse's family for Christmas versus going to your, your own family. Um, so things change and move around and Capricorn invites us to be open to 
establishing new traditions? I'll never forget. The tradition was that my mom, our mom's aunt and uncle and cousins would come, cousin um, would come to Oklahoma with our great grandmother. And we'd all, that was, that was their tradition. And when mom's cousin got married, they did that one year when their first son was younger. And I remember having a conversation with mom and mom's cousin-in-law saying that they think that that might be their last Colorado Christmas, that they have this new baby now and they want to start their own traditions because she had her family traditions that she wanted to do. I, I remember that moment so strongly of being like, she was setting a boundary. She was setting her expectations and what she wanted from the holiday. And it was just a really important moment, I think, for me to see that. And everybody was okay with it. Nobody was upset. It was like, oh yeah, that totally makes sense. And I was like, wow, <laughs> let Capricorn guide you to the traditions that you want to have in your life. This episode is brought to you by Rosemary. I will start by telling you about some of the medicinal properties and then Maggie will share the magical properties. So the Latin name is Rosemary officinalis and in Latin rose means dew and merriness means sea. So it's the dew or mist of the sea. This plant, it means that it's of the sea, which I thought was a kind of Capricorn-y in nature, that fishtail piece that we've spoken at length about. Rosemary has, been, has long been considered a symbol of friendship, loyalty, and remembrance. Ancient Greek scholars would wear laurels of rosemary on their heads to help them stay sharp and to keep their memories clear while taking exams. That feels like a cheat to me. Rosemary was also burned in study rooms to help purify the air and keep the senses sharp. Rosemary stimulates the pineal gland and improves the energy levels. It is a nervine, rejuvenative, stimulant, and tonic. So it helps tonify the nervous system it improves peripheral circulation. So you're in your fingers and your toes. It invigorates the lungs, promotes immunity, and uplifts the spirits. It also helps with digestion, memory, and for circulation, which makes it a really good remedy for the elderly and often used for those with Alzheimer's. It can be used to stimulate the circulation, um, so it's kind of helpful for cellulite, sprains and strains, if you're feeling cold in your fingers and toes, so the cold feet that you put on your partner's legs, <laughs> take some rosemary instead. It's helpful for varicose veins, bruising, neuropathy, and all over system invigoration. It's common ingredient in hair rinses because of its antiseptic qualities. It's also uh, useful in mouthwashes as a sore throat gargle for canker sores and other diseases of the mouth. Lots of lots of good things from rosemary. It's also very much a culinary herb used in a lot of food making endeavors. I know I used a ton of rosemary during my Thanksgiving cooking extravaganza. Really good for meats and savory foods and on bread and mixed with oils for culinary purposes. 
So for magical uses, rosemary is an all-purpose herb. And so that means that it can pretty much be used for anything. It corresponds with pretty much every planet, zodiac sign, and um, both active and passive energy. And the reason some this came up on Twitter recently, somebody asked, how did how did rosemary even become like associated with being used for everything? And one response was that it really can be used for everything. And that's probably because it is so prolific. It grows in a Mediterranean climate, which you can find on every continent. There's the Mediterranean, which is named after. And that's why it's common in like Italian and Greek food and rituals and customs. There's also the Mediterranean climate of like Southern California and Northern Mexico. There's a Mediterranean climate in Australia and in Asia so and Africa. So there's, you can find this like climate zone everywhere, which means that all cultures and people around the world who had access to this plant used it for something. So that means that there's kind of a hodgepodge of uses and rosemary can be used for anything. <laughs> and as Erica mentioned, the Latin name being of the sea, mist of the sea. So that kind of corresponds with it being a in these Mediterranean climates next to an ocean. Now, specifically, the most common uses for rosemary are for healing spells. You, you could sew it into a healing poppet or um, wash your hands with an infusion of rosemary before any healing practices. Use it in bath magic for a healing purifying bath. And like Erica said, the Roman scholars wearing the wreath of rosemary to help with clarity in, in its own way, that's a type of magic. So you can make your own wreath for yourself whenever you do need this boost to your concentration, focus, and to bring about mental clarity. It's thought to help improve memory. And so, you know, wearing this, having a special rosemary wreath for like reading tarot or for reading about witchcraft that can help you as you're studying these topics. Rosemary is also associated with, uh, with loyalty and with fertility. And so it is common in hand fasting ceremonies. And we actually had uh, the florist at my wedding to Dana add rosemary to the boutonnieres and the corsages and my bouquet that, and all the bouquets and the bouquet that I carried because of that association with bringing more loyalty and closeness in the ceremony we didn't have we had a wedding ceremony but we had some aspects of hand fasting incorporated and one really common tradition a friend of mine did this when she got married to her husband they had a rosemary plant in a single pot and then they each brought soil from their parents homes to add to the pot and then they said they were going to plant that rosemary bush at their first home as like a representation of the life that they were growing together. So that's another, like that's a magical act of like bringing these two families together and then setting out this rosemary as a representation of their love and loyalty to one another. Rosemary is also associated with the fae. So you can plant rosemary around your home to attract fairies and other fae folk to your home to for protection and for, you know, interacting with them in whatever way. Okay. You could plant you could plant a little sprig of rosemary in like a fairy garden too and that would help welcome them into your into their new home like a little tree for fairies mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i just wanted 
to add that people often ask what they can use for smoke cleansing instead of white sage, this is an excellent option for doing your smoke cleansing. Yeah, exactly. Wrapping it into an herb bundle, smoldering, bring it to smolder like you would any herb bundle and wafting the smoke around for purification, for healing purposes and all of those things. And I think it smells better than sage anyway. So for our next episode, we will be talking about the two of pentacles and looking for instances in our daily lives where this card shows up for us. So this card is all about balance, dexterity, flexibility, and juggling. So thinking about things of, you know, balancing various areas of your life, dealing with a lot of different problems at the same time. It's also about having fun because this is a juggler and they're, you know, putting on a show. So it's all, and it's about feeling confident in what you are capable of, being willing to go with the flow, understanding how things change and our dynamics. So all of these different things go into the two of pentacles. And as I said, we'll be talking about this next week. If you have a story about the two of pentacles that you want to share with us, please leave us a voicemail. Just send a voice recording to we listen at talkwitchcraft.com. You can find out more about this episode by going to mumblesandthings.com slash blog slash zero five one. Join us next week when we talk about planning with the sun and moon. Make sure that you're subscribed so that you are notified about each new episode. And to help other witches find this show, please leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram at Mumbles and Things and join us in the Mumbles Academy to chat about this episode with other witchy folk. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.